everyone, I'm Danica together with Andrea here in Marketech Expert Up Close, introducing you to leaders in the marketing industry, traversing us through their professional journey while keeping you updated with the latest marketing trends and tips each week. In celebration of the Women's Month, we are still in our Spotify series exclusive, Empowered Women in Marketing Expert Up Close, featuring empowered women conquering the marketing industry from different countries in the Asia-Pacific region. Alright, now before moving forward, please make sure that you've liked and subscribed to Marketing APAC's Facebook and YouTube accounts so that you won't miss out on the latest marketing news and practices. In this episode, we are going to plunge ourselves into the world of marketing in creative automation. Now, what is creative automation? It is a process of utilizing software to perform repetition for high-volume design or creative production functions. According to Seltra, it's still a new concept for marketers out there and there's still a lack of awareness on the existence of this technology, but fortunately, we are privileged to have here with us an empowered woman in the field of marketing creative automation, Rashida Basaywala. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Danica. Thank you, Andrea. So excited to be here. Wonderful, wonderful. That's good to know. Now let's jump right into it. You were a multimedia arts major and you also earned your master's degree in business management. And now you are the general manager of Celtra, which according to their website is a creative automation company for marketing. We are curious to know because, you know, pursuing a different profession would either mean moving to a situation with less stress or proving yourself all over again. So Roshida, what influenced and inspired you to pursue marketing and tech industry instead of your original passion for multimedia arts and business management? I have a very interesting career trajectory. As a child and as a student, I had many aspirations. Actually, to be honest, I still have many aspirations. <laughs> but uh, back then, I wanted to pursue fine arts, but I landed up with uh, multimedia communications. And besides that, I also grew up in a family of businessmen. So entrepreneurship was quite akin to my nature. So there was this constant internal push of leading business, basically, that would help me uh, pursue my varied passion in advertising, in brand communication, in art, in technology. But having said that, it was actually a change in my personal life, which led to a very calculated career pivot, which was towards Martech and AdTech, which I would like to say that it was one of the best decisions of my life. I am able to apply the learnings from my formal education into my job even today. So I work for a creative automation software, as you introduced me earlier, which is a marketing SaaS platform. And it's a perfect amalgamation of art and technology. And to your point earlier, you know, I'm of the strong opinion that it's totally okay to pursue a different career from the degree of specialization, especially if you have developed a new interest or you have better awareness about your own self. So essentially, love what you do and do what you love. You don't need to maintain a status quo just because you have graduated from a particular faculty. Well, we're glad to know that you have made one of the best decisions of your life. I think a lot of people could relate to what you mentioned about having varied aspirations as a child and also traversing to a different career path because of certain influences, external and internal factors, and even considerations before choosing which trajectory is worth the shot. Now, still on the topic about your career journey, you had your fair share of humble beginnings as a graphic artist. How was your journey to becoming a marketing leader, your most challenging experience throughout the process, and 
the major lesson you have learned? I'm going to take a few steps back, okay, and give you a little more of background about my life so you get the whole picture. I grew up in an extremely conservative uh, Muslim family where getting daughters married was prioritized over career. So in very simple words, having a career or being ambitious was a big taboo. And fortunately or unfortunately, I challenged that system and those norms. And against many odds and literally with no support, I completed my entire degree with my own merit and my own money. Back then in the 90s, I was a seasoned martial artist and also a member of the International Karate Federation. So I leveraged that skill to teach students of all different ages. That used to happen in the evenings and in the morning I used to attend my college, which essentially helped me to pay my bills and my fees. After I completed my graduation, unfortunately, I was still married very early. And I moved from one patriarchal family to another. And I was actually coerced into doing something really, really simple. And that is where I started my career as a graphic artist. The focus was more to, you know, ensure that the domestic chores are taken care of first. And most importantly, to fit into the good wife stereotype category. So I switched quite a few jobs. That was purely out of dissatisfaction. And then finally, I landed up into this marketing job with a law firm in Dubai. And during my tenure over there, I reached a tipping point and realized that I was just not going to be happy with an nine to six job. And alongside, you know, the entrepreneurial streak was really growing very, very strong. I wanted to do something of my own. In 2008, I set up my own consultation business. And during this period, I was also blessed with twin boys. Now, all of this happening on one side and, you know, everything looking so good. On the home front, uh, the domestic violence increased to a state where I had to decide to just pack my bags uh, and reboot my life in a new country with two toddlers and and three bags, literally. The silver lining to the cloud was that I had a very good mentor within the family who coached me and told me to explore the digital marketing side of the overall marketing ecosystem, which was purely the ad tech space at that time. And it was relatively in its infancy 10 years ago. So I took that leap of faith and I took up a job with a location intelligence platform as a sales manager, quite a downgrade from being an, a business owner to starting life from scratch. I rebuilt everything with a lot of tenacity and, and determination. And I grew up to this role of a general manager for APAC and Sultra in 2018. Also, I, I must say that I was very lucky to have very good employers like Near, which is the location intelligence platform and Sultra, where I work today, who believed in my passion to succeed. And they gave me the opportunity to contribute to their business. But having said that, if I look at my trajectory and my life experiences, you know, starting a new career in a new country, two little kids and very minimal support, it was extremely overwhelming. Now, I faced skepticism even from industry mates who perceived me just a pretty face. So the pressure was not just to perform, but also prove myself as a professional and as a mother. So on one hand, it was a matter of survival. I think it was a lot of optimism and conscious effort to look at these challenges as an opportunity and look at it as a one-time life opportunity where I could do what I wanted to do, pursue my passions and soar heights without any kind of fear or restrictions. So these experiences basically taught me to be fearless. There is a solution to everything in life. And it's extremely powerful and liberating to stand up and stand out in the face of adversity. 
if you ask me what are my learnings i feel like i have always listened to my instincts it never lies to me and i never give up that's something i always share with my friends and family to never give up on your dreams because it's never too late to start something that you love Wow. I mean, Roshida, in case no one has told you this, you are one brave woman. You know, I just cannot imagine how much you've been through. And here you are so fearless, you know, turning that pain into power, breaking that cycle before the cycle breaks your children. So thank you so much for imparting that with us, you know, the transition and lessons you've had. Now, we would love to know more about you in terms of your business management expertise, because we have discovered that in 2008, you started a business in Dubai. I mean, that's really impressive. Now, knowing what you went through and setting up a business in Dubai. So, Roshida, can you please tell us what made you launch this company and how did Embellish Art help you to be where you are today? Back in mid-2000s, I would say, construction was booming in the Middle East. I lived in Dubai at that point of time, especially in the hotel sector. I saw a great business opportunity in uh, providing curated art by connecting emerging artists, local artists in the region, to hotel interior design companies. So I built a service solution that bridged this gap, which the hotel operators and interior designers were struggling with, of sourcing good art pieces at affordable prices. And then, like I said that, you know, I grew up in a business family. You know, I have a very keen eye in identifying business opportunities and also solving business problems very creatively. Running Embellish Art gave me the exposure across the spectrum and in-depth experience in managing all aspects of the business. It helped to wire me in starting and growing businesses successfully right from scratch. And that's exactly what I've been doing at Celtra for the last five years now. You know what? It sounds like a dream job because imagine having to connect and work with emerging artists and provide them that opportunity to showcase and sell their art with the service model that you built. You are definitely a definition of a girl boss. Now let's move on to the landscape of creative automation. As an expert in the field, we'd like to hear your thoughts on this. With tech competition among creative automation providers, what do you think is the top value that brands are looking for from the said platforms? When you look at successful adoption of any kind of creative automation platform, it should elevate three types of metrics. First is creative production efficiency. The second is speed to market. And the third, I would say, is creative variety. Creative production efficiency basically refers to the effort that is required to produce campaign creatives, like how much more brands can produce with the same amount of resources that they have today. You and I are consumers, right? We see ads on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Let's admit at some point we all get bored of seeing the same ads over and over again. And that's what we call as ad fatigue, right? This basically aligns pretty much with one of the research that we had done in uh, 2020, which said that 87% of APAC audiences or consumers are hungry for entertainment and they want to see more variety in the storytelling approaches from brand. In order to avoid that ad fatigue or inundating these repetitive ads, you know, marketers need to find creative strategies to optimize their campaigns and also eventually derive better business outcomes or and campaign performances that they are achieving today. Uh, but there's also a flip side to this. Brands are also suffering from that content gap because you have content and assets uh, demand that are increasing at such a high pace, the resources and the budgets are pretty much stagnated. And for that matter, they are even declining because of the pandemic. So how can you manage the demand and the supply in the most optimal way? This ever-growing demand and the marketing content not 
not being satisfied can be tied to the traditional ways of working. And that does not help in aiding the speed and the scale that is required. And that's why a lot of marketers and designers are actually turning towards creative automation today. Seltra's creative solution is comprehensive solution, essentially, that makes it easier for marketers to conquer these marketing challenges. It streamlines the entire production process right from start to finish. So you're talking about production for content scaling to review and to distribution. And this means that marketers can quickly and efficiently scale creative variety because they're creating more bandwidth for their designers and they're able to collaborate in a much more seamless fashion. They can do a lot more experimentation with creative strategy. Then the second metric that I mentioned was speed to market. So this is all about the time it takes to get campaigns out of the door, right? You want to ensure that you are running these campaigns and not missing out those campaign deadlines. And how long does it take to get from production to distribution is something that we need to keep in mind. The software basically has the ability to separate the content from the design. And what that means is that designers can focus more on the design and craft, create the templates, focus on what are the type of testing that needs to be done, what are the acquisition campaigns that we need, what are the retargeting campaigns that are needed, and the designs that would align with those types of campaigns. And concurrently, the non-designers, they can work on the content side of things. Essentially, they can develop different type of messaging. They can do a lot of iterations in the campaign or the message for that matter, even mid-flight without having to worry of starting everything from scratch and doing it all manually. And then the third metric is the creative variety. And it's a very important component of the whole mix. It basically looks at the distinct combination of unique designs, layout, copy, all the other different content variants that you can think of and how many different creative variants you can deliver as a brand. But the harsh reality is that marketing is monster that can feed on creative assets requiring more and more every quarter, especially when it comes to performance marketing, because, you know, you are catering to a lot of audience, you want to do segmentation, and then you have the primary goal of this performance marketing campaign is to ensure that you are engaging with your consumer at every different touch point, And it's also fully trackable and measurable at every different stage, which means you need to do more A-B testing. If you look at what is required, and then having to do all of it manually and not having a tool that supports or the, the teams to do it at speed will basically lead to a lot of creative fatigue. Since creative automation basically provides a unified platform for creatives and performance teams, it allows them to collaborate in a much more seamless fashion to expedite the entire process right from production to distribution. You're creating so much more bandwidth for focusing on the design and craft and allowing to do a lot more scale, which is what the consumer wants and even want what the marketer want to achieve. On that note, I'd love to give an example of one of our partners and our brands that we work with, which is Lazada. Two, three years ago now, when they started off, we were trying to understand what are the challenges that they face. And one of the things that they said is like, one is team burnout. And second is that they were suffering from massive ad fatigue. Today, by using Seltra's creative automation software, they're able to churn out thousands of ads in a matter of 
three days in comparison to the time that they used to take, which was more than two weeks. That's a huge time saving for them. So if their team were to do this manually, it would really mean that they were spending bulk of their time in creating these adaptations, which is completely meaningless, resulting in that burnout that I told you about. For an enterprise like Lazada, Seltra is like the best solution to achieve that scale, the production efficiency, and most importantly, to maintain that brand control, which you cannot do when you're doing it manually. When they saw the campaign results and over a period of time, they saw that there was a 3x uh, lesser production hours and 80% less manual work required to build all those thousands of creatives. And for this one particular campaign that I can think of, it was nearly 2,500 creatives that they produced in three days. So this creates the bandwidth that I told you for the designers and so much more meaningful work, which basically supercharges the campaign performance. All right. Thank you so much, Rashida. There you have it, listeners. The top value that any creative automation provider should elevate are creative production efficiency, speed to market, and creative variety. I mean, I think it's really great that you mentioned the harsh reality that, you know, in marketing, the need for content and creative assets are really growing fast, which can lead to creative gaps or in burnout. And it's also good that you mentioned that this is where creative automation takes place, you know, providing a unified platform for creative and performance team when dealing with any type of campaign. And this is really important, right? Especially if you're on the goal of reaching and engaging with your audience or consumer faster. And now that I've touched on the consumer engagement, you know, we have learned that in one of the episodes of the podcast entitled In Conversation, you have been invited to talk about marketing. And, you know, during the interview, you stated that it's important to enrich your creativity in your performance campaign to reduce the cost for acquisition and increase consumer engagement. Now, can you share further insights about this? I'm sure you've heard of that saying, first impression matters, right? And this holds true beyond how we present ourselves as individuals, but also as brands and how we present ourselves as a brand to the consumer in the form of ads. There was one study done by Forbes and it basically showed that consistent branding on all platforms across marketing funnel basically increases the revenue by 23%. So we are not only talking about consistency across brand, but also across the entire funnel. This is possible only if they make use of strong brand equity, which is basically built with a lot of heavy lifting over a period of time. Gone are the days when drab looking boring ads that just consist of a plain background or a product shot or a message or call to action, which is sometimes what we see in a lot of these Facebook ads also, which we call as the CPAS ads. The expectation is still there, you know, why aren't we getting enough sales conversions? Now imagine if you're serving these boring ads, like how do you differentiate yourself from a competitor who's probably doing the same thing or using the same template? There are so many marketers out there who are making huge investments to make Make sure that they are focusing and, and investing in building that unique brand voice in order to stand out from the crowd and maintain that consistent design and message experience across all the channels and the funnel. The best way to essentially achieve is to leverage a full funnel on brand ad campaigns that elevates the performance across all the customer touch points. We've noticed ads look great in an awareness campaign like the top funnel campaigns. But the moment it trickles down to the lower funnel, somehow it just gets so diluted or it looks so mundane. And that also tends to lead to that ad fatigue that we are talking about, where it's the same static ad, there is really no investment made in 
in ensuring that the engagement you created in the top funnel ads are being retained in the lower funnel campaigns also. Brands have to ensure that every moment of their customer experience is consistent because that significantly improves the brand perception. It increases the consumer trust, the engagement, and automatically that reduces the cost per acquisition. It's not just the consistency, but it's also the different testing and learning that you are applying in these concepts that you are creating consistently. Every brand is different from one another. By opening up more testing options, you can pinpoint what actually drives the performance of that particular campaign. Why are the consumers engaging? And when you start tracking this and measuring this, any kind of incremental positive change that brand continuously makes will be able to result in the understanding of their consumer behavior, their engagement with the ads, uh, understanding which creative, which message is working, which is not working. And that ultimately leads to that increased engagement and also the reduction in the cost per acquisition. Now, imagine this if you had to create a limited number of creatives and you are driving sales for a mega campaign. People like you and me are seeing the same ads over and over again. Sometimes you may have already made the purchase. And if the creator was not refreshed, I'm 100% sure, let alone interacting with the ad, we will even become oblivious to that ad. We will not, we'll just keep scrolling through and not see the ads. Super critical. You want your campaigns to perform well. You've got to have variety, quality in not just the upper funnel campaigns, but also in your lower funnel campaigns. And only that will help in reducing your cost per acquisition. All right. So I love how you related the importance of how brands present themselves through ads with self-presentation as an example, and that consistency in branding and good quality ads are key to an increase in revenue and to prevent ad fatigue. Now we'd love to know what's next for Rashida. You've been an accomplished and empowered woman in the marketing industry. Are there other dreams or aspirations that you want to achieve? There are a couple of things that are incubating in my head at the moment. You know, back in 2019, I was uh, curating this whole business plan and working towards building a smart eco community in India. But unfortunately, because of the pandemic, I had to shelve it. But the, when the time is right, I will revive it again. Each one of us, and I think globally, everybody has gone through this forced self-introspection during the lockdown. And so did I, not being an exception there. I realized that there are new aspirations. And one of them is to solve real world problems. And that too through technology. How can we bring solutions home that are meaningful and which have purpose? Again, you know, I, I don't want to spill the beans because it'll be too premature. Uh, I'll share more in good time. I think that child in me is still alive and there are a lot of aspirations and I think it will keep changing and growing as I grow older. That's really inspiring, Roshida. I mean, nothing's final yet, but thank you for being a living testament that, you know, we are never too old to set another goal and to dream another dream, as the famous Yes Lewis said. Now, let's go back to your expertise. And before we let you go, since creative automation, you know, according to Seltra's website, is still new and is very different from traditional process that many marketers accustomed to, what tips or advice can you give to brands out there who are still reluctant on embracing technology when it comes to marketing? 
I believe that embracing technology or not simply boils down to the culture of the organization that is ultimately in the hands of the leadership. So keeping legacy systems alive does nothing but just hinders your organization from achieving its full potential efficiently and effectively. Moreover, imagine if the entire ecosystem has adopted tech, you know, you as a brand have not, you can't afford to be operating in a sustainable fashion by being an outlier. I always urge marketers to reevaluate the implementation process of their marketing activities, like deep dive and look for areas which are causing these hindrances in achieving their objectives or what they plan for an entire year. Talk to your teams, like uh, try to surface these pain points and identify the crux. Marketers need to take this responsibility of galvanizing their teams towards technology adoption. It's super important to just rip things apart, like really deep dive and figure out setting up the objectives is very, very easy, but how to achieve it and mapping out the entire system by ensuring that your resources are optimally utilized is super important. Some of the imperatives that uh, marketers can implement in creating that culture will actually allow you to do, uh, you know, drive better and more effective tech adoption. First is to invest in setting up this infrastructure, right? Make marketing technology adoption as a part of the team KPI. But you can start slow. You know, sometimes it can be extremely overwhelming. And, you know, as a part of the team, you don't know where to start from and how many stakeholders are involved, right? So you can start slow, you can start small, test, learn, see the success, and then you can roll out to wider teams or markets or region. This way you can basically help to weigh the benefits of tech and non-tech as well. Then again, coming back to the culture, like what are the different components that can add to this tech adoption friendly culture is to create a culture of upskilling and learning, which should happen on a regular basis. So like leaders, we need to ensure that our teams are upskilled and kept abreast with the latest tools so that they know that these tools will actually help in driving better business outcomes. Sometimes teams are so comfortable doing what they're doing and you know, the whole resistance is like, why should I change if it is working? But as a leader, you know that this is not sustainable and you have to implement these different technologies. So one of the things that you can do is to incentivize your team to learn these new, you know, it could be certification or it could be recognition. It could be different types of incentive. You can work with your partners, technology providers who can help you to come up with these different types of incentive programs. The last one is, it's something that I have noticed, which is like a very piecemeal approach kind of a thing, right? Where there's no holistic view. Tech implementation is done in a very siloed and staggered fashion. And if you do it this way, it's not an optimal way to succeed. Plus, you need to have an objective and inform the team that here's what where we want to go. And in, in order to achieve these objectives, these are the tools that we will need to implement. So we need the entire team to be on board. And it's not necessarily that everybody on the team will agree. One part of the team will be the early adopters. Some will be sitting on the fence and the others will be averse to it. Lastly, you know, when we talk specifically about, you know, brands in APAC, like the cost of technology adoption in emerging markets in APAC, then the complexity of the organizational structure, although you are decentralized, you know, you still need approvals from global or regional. And sometimes there's a challenge of, you know, relevant talent, having skilled talent. All these are very valid barriers. 
if you don't have that culture or if you have a culture that does not support uh, technology, especially in this age of pandemic, investing in trainings uh, on legacy tools or processes could wither on the vine. So you may as well get started now. Thank you so much, Rashida, for such an insightful and empowering conversation with you and also for the tips and advices that you have shared with us. And of course, to our beloved listeners for tuning in all throughout this episode. You know what, Danikesh, some of the things that I learned from our guest today on this episode is that keeping legacy systems alive hinders an organization from achieving its full potential effectively and efficiently. But now in line with this, I believe that companies should have the courage to break from outdated systems and practices to continuously grow and stay on tip-top shape. If there's one thing I learned from Rojida, it's to openly welcome challenges. You know, just from hearing how she conquered her personal challenges on top of business challenges, she has mastered embracing challenges and, you know, looks at them as opportunities. And, you know, I too should apply that because when all is said and done, if it doesn't challenge you, it will never change you, right? So thank you so much once again, Roshida. And before we part ways, we're actually asking this to every guest speaker that we have as part of our Empowered Women series. So Roshida, we want you to finish the statement. An empowered woman is? An empowered woman is tenacity with elasticity personified. All right. I hope you were able to hear that, listeners. Andrea? Thank you, Rashida, for allowing us to get to know you on a deeper level. And of course, for sharing with us your expertise. Such an empowering episode, don't you think? Totally agree. I hope our listeners would also feel empowered. So thank you so much for listening to Marketing Expert of Close in our series entitled Empowered Women. Don't forget to subscribe to the official Facebook, YouTube, and Spotify accounts of Marketing APAC. And see you in the next episode.